Hey friend, thanks so much for meeting me here at Frothy Monkey in beautiful downtown Franklin, Tennessee. It's a great place to get a good cup of joe and share together in some good conversation. Anyway, be looking at the menu. I know you're new here. Decide what you want. Text it to me. I'm going to go ahead and get in line and place our order. Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, always advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Hey, friend, this is episode 113, The Amazing Woman Who Brought the Lord of the Rings Trilogy to Life, subtitled, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. The following podcast was originally aired on March 16th, 2020, as episode 17, because of the newness of Rocks, not many people heard this story about an amazing woman named Carla Fry. I'm rebroadcasting this episode because the story of this amazing woman needs to be heard. It will inspire you to think about people differently. There was no way to imagine that my best friend in high school's younger sister would grow up to be a major Hollywood movie mogul, whose crowning life achievement was bringing to life the childhood fantasy she loved to read by J.R. Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings. The audio quality is weaker due to the $20 mic I had back then to use for recording. The story of Carla Fry is inspiring, challenging, heart-touching, and transformational. It really drives home the old adage, don't judge a book by its cover. I hope this episode inspires you with a glimpse into the story of this amazing woman. Carla in Five Scenes The subtitle, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover Scene 1, Year 1976, Place, The Fry House, Morsdale Estates, Euless, Texas My best friend in high school, Brett, lived in Morsdale Estates with his younger sister, Carla, Mom, Gail, and Father Clifford. Clifford was a businessman who owned a public warehousing company which stored and distributed goods for area manufacturers. Cliff was successful as a businessman, a hard worker, doing well as a sole proprietor, but not what I would classify as rich by today's standards. As a teenager, from my perspective, though, the people who lived in Morristale Estates were rich. The Fry House was a two-story ranch home with a modern twist to it. Inside, the floor plan was really cool and something I still admire to this day. There were some other homes in the neighborhood with the same floor plan, so it wasn't a custom custom home, but it was really nice. The reason why I classified as having a modern twist was the floor plan. On the one hand, when you entered the front door, it had sort of a Graceland feel, the way I remembered Graceland looked from the photos I saw taken when Elvis Presley was alive. As you entered, there was a half flight of stairs right ahead of you. To the right was a formal living room. To the left was a formal dining room, which was followed by the kitchen. The kitchen also had a half flight of stairs, like the foyer stairs, which led up to the den. You entered the master bedroom from another half flight of stairs that turned back from the stairs coming up out of the kitchen. As you went up the half flight of stairs from the entryway, The den was to your left, of course. It had a vaulted ceiling and fireplace on the far left wall. The sliding glass doors that led to the backyard were on the back wall to the right. The split-level aspects of the home, coupled with a vaulted ceiling in the den, and some really cool glass windows that looked down into the den from the master bedroom were all modern touches. 
To the right of the entry stairs was an office and another half flight of stairs that went up to Brett and Carla's room. Their bedrooms, which were connected by what we call a Jack and Jill bathroom, were adjacent to each other. I would pass by Carla's bedroom on the way to Brett's room. My first memory of Carla was of her in her room. I would speak to her if I saw her in her bedroom. Carla was a quiet girl to me. I remember asking her one day what she was doing, and she said she was reading. I asked her what she liked to read, and she mentioned science fiction and Tolkien, Lord of the Rings. I had never read Tolkien, and as a teenager, it sounded boring to me. Scene 2. As time progressed, Carla and I were both a part of the musical production class that was offered as an elective course at Trinity High School in Euless, Texas. It was a wonderful class that centered around the total involvement of all divisions of the fine arts department of the high school, which resulted in the production of a full-blown high school musical. In my junior year, it was the production of Maine, and in my senior year, the production was Fiddler on the Roof. That special elective was probably one of the greatest things that my high school ever did in the way of creativity and inspiration. A student could opt to work all semester building sets, rehearsing the musical score as a band member, rehearse the musical scenes as a part of the chorus, try out for key roles, and perhaps even star in the production. The class literally encompassed all aspects of the Broadway production and used the exact same musical scores and dialogue books rented from New York. Carla was a drama student, and I was in the band. But for the production, I opted not to be in the orchestra, but instead was a part of the chorus line. Of course, at the end of each production, the musical production class would share in a bittersweet cast party. My senior year, the cast party was in the large meeting room of a local hotel. It was a great time of celebration for a job well done. We played music, we danced, and just did what kids naturally do, we hung out. As the party progressed, I remember seeing Carla walk in. She was dressed in sneakers, pants, a sport coat, and a loosely tied man's necktie around her neck, and a fedora. Carla was quiet and avant-garde. She set her own style. I went over and spoke to her briefly. She walked around the room for just a bit, then went over and sat on one of the banquet tables with her back against the wall and just watched the party. I still see that image of her there in that party, yet somehow in a way aloof, removed from it, and watching the party. The Carla I knew was a cool, quiet girl. After our graduation from high school, Brett moved out of the house and I lost touch with Carla and saw Brett less as time progressed. At one contact point, I asked Brett how Carla was doing. He said that she was in college, and if I remember correctly, it was Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas, and she was studying to, to be a theater arts major. I asked Brett what she planned on doing with that. He said, I don't know. She said they're teaching her how to read blueprints right now. I remember commenting, how is she going to get a job with that? After college, she traveled for some time in the starring role of a theatrical production, but I never heard anything come of her acting.
Scene 3. As time went on, I lost touch with Brett and Carla. One day I was near their old home in Morrisdale Estate, so I stopped by to see if their parents might still live there. I rang the doorbell and Cliff answered the door. I asked him if Brett was in the area and he said no. He had moved out of the area. I asked him how Carla was doing, if she was still pursuing acting. Cliff said, well, as a matter of fact, she moved out to California. She called me the other day and said that she had just finished a film and that she felt like it was going to be a big hit. I asked him if she mentioned the name of the film. He said, yes, she said the movie is called The Mask. I said that I would watch for it, and he said, well, Carla said it would be about a year before it would be released because it takes that long to finalize the production. Time came and went, and I gave no more thought about it. Scene 4. Several years later, in our local Blockbuster video rental store, some of you may remember Blockbuster, the precursor to the Red Box. Anyway, my two young sons were begging me to rent the movie The Mask. I remember the movie starred Jim Carrey, but I had never actually seen the movie. As a caring parent, I always policed what my kids watched and would research the content of the movie before renting. The movie had some scenes that might be too intense for little kids, so I said no. As they aged, they continued to vote, rent the mask. One evening on my blockbuster run, milling through the store, looking for something for the kids, I came to the VHS tape, The Mask. Now, some of you may not even remember the VHS tape, but it was a VHS VHS tape of The Mask. Then it clicked with me as I stared at the cover. I thought to myself, no, no way. This couldn't be the same movie Carla worked on. I picked up the VHS tape, flipped it over, and started reading the production credits. There, in black and white, it read Carla Fry, associate producer. I thought to myself, well, Carla made it. I rented the movie and took it home and showed my wife. I heard no more about her push into the Hollywood scene and lost touch with the Fry family. Scene 5. Sunday night, March 24th, 2002, watching the 74th Academy Awards. The Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Rings wins its first of four awards that night. In the acceptance speech, they thank Carla Fry. I instantly said to my wife, that can't be the same Carla Fry we know. In one of the other acceptance speeches, they thanked Carla Fry again. I said, no way. I've got to check this out on the web. Back then, I only had web access in my office, which was in a portable building in the backyard. I ran out to my office, fired up the computer, opened up Microsoft Explorer, typed in the name Carla Fry, and instantly there were several entries for her that popped up. The first entry I clicked on was one from the Minnesota film industry that actually had a photograph of Carla as a part of the feature article on her Lifetime Achievement Award that they had bestowed on her. As I searched further, I discovered that Carla had risen to the top of the ranks in the Hollywood film industry and had become a top executive of New Line Cinema, one of the top film production studios.
Then I later discovered that Carla, on the night of the Academy Awards, was very ill from a long battle with disease. On April 23, 2002, just a month removed from the Academy Awards, Carla passed away at the age of 40. Wow. I couldn't believe the fairy tale story that came to life in the person of Carla Fry. I was so wrong in my assessment of her. I saw her as a quiet, reserved, kind girl who wanted to be an actress. She wanted to be in the theater. I didn't see it in her. At some point, Carla shifted from seeking to star in the show to instead become the one who brought the entire show to life. She was an amazing leader who handled complex, difficult tasks with great success. Remember that the first three Lord of the Ring installments were all filmed at the same time on location in New Zealand. It was a massive undertaking. Carla was the executive in charge of production. Carla brought J.R. Tolkien's books to life. The books she read so many years ago there in her bedroom on Driftwood Drive in Morrisdale Estates. Folks, it's a long way from Euless, Texas to the heights of theatrical production power in Hollywood, California. And quiet, kind, cool, avant-garde Carla Fry did it. I told someone about the night I saw Carla at the cast party in high school, how she just sat there, relaxed, and taking it all in. They responded, Kenny, while you were all being a bunch of knuckleheads, Carla was studying you and the situation. Wow, they were right. Here is what Variety, the trade magazine of the entertainment industry, had to say about Carla in her obituary. Carla was born June 19th. 1961. She died April 23, 2002. Carla Fry, Vice Chairman of Physical Production at New Line Cinema, April 25, 2002, by Variety Staff. Carla Fry, Vice Chairman of Physical Production at New Line Cinema, died Tuesday, April 23, after a long illness. She was 40. Wichita, Kansas native, began her career at Shelley Duvall's Think Entertainment and worked as a production executive at Imagine Entertainment before joining New Line as a production executive in 1992. She was promoted in 1994 to vice president and then to executive vice president of physical production in 1996 prior to being named president of the division in 1998 and vice chairman this past October. During her 10 years in the studio's production department, Carla earned a reputation on overseeing literally hundreds of productions, culminating in the complicated logistical challenges presented by the Lord of the Rings trilogy. On May 2nd of 2002, the Los Angeles Times said that Carla was a truly dynamic professional she empowered colleagues to reach for their personal and professional best. Her visionary management skills transformed every project 
she worked on, possessing a reputation for managing with professional compassion, Carla graced every project with vision and steadfast determination. Carla brought to her life her childhood fantasies she imagined as she read the novels of Tolkien, Asimov, and others. Her movies embodied her mind. Pleasantville is Carla, and it's hard to explain. I really can't put it into words. I'm not talking about the storyline, but once I found out that she was behind that film, I immediately thought it makes sense. It embodied her spirit. What an amazing, creative person Carla was. So you may be thinking at this point, Kenny, what does this story, this amazing story about an amazing woman, a woman from my past, Carla Fry, what does it have to do with advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world? As I said at the beginning, the subtitle, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, Folks, too many times we draw conclusions about people that are inaccurate. Too many times we pass assessment on someone as having it or not having it. And really what it comes down to is we at times have a very thin approach and perspective in regards to our evaluation of other people. And yet we're mindful that God in heaven does not look at people that way. In 1 Samuel 16, in the Old Testament, God reminds us that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so, as we approach our lives, as we come in contact with people, as we develop friendships, I want to encourage you And we need to accept people for who they are, not draw our own conclusions about their capabilities, not draw our own conclusions about their value, not draw our own conclusions about their future, but just love them and appreciate them. And just as importantly, give them time and pay attention to what they have to say and the way that they're made. Plus, in that, we may just find out that the book we overlooked may be, in fact, a very interesting read. Because you see, it really applies also to the way that we approach people. Too many times we judge people based on their outward appearance. However, once we get to know that person and we see what's on the inside, we realize they're a very interesting person. They have a lot to offer. They have a lot of skill sets that have yet to be mined. And so there's a lot of applications to this for us today, especially if you're a parent, that rather than superimposing your mind on your child or your desires on your child, find out what makes your child tick, what makes your child get excited about life, and encourage them in that. It may be an employee that works for you, and you have a predisposed mindset towards them based on their appearance or based on their weight, based on the way they dress. And all the while, you may very well be overlooking hidden 
attributes and jewels within that person that could be an encouragement for all if you would just have a change of mind. And so today, my friend, I want to encourage you. Love people, accept people, don't draw conclusions, just be their friend. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Hopefully I'll have the new show lead in ready to go with the next broadcast. It's time to sit around the fire ring and enjoy a good old cup of joe. Until next time, my friend, I bid you peace.